The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where on every episode of the show, I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is a special guest. Darren Gold is here. Darren is a managing partner at the Tram Group, where he advises and coaches CEOs and leadership teams at many of the world's most innovative companies, including Roche, Dropbox, Lululemon, Sephora, Cisco, all the big ones. He is the author of the new book, Master Your Code, The Art, Wisdom, and Science of Leading an Extraordinary Life. Welcome to the show, Darren. Oh, thank you, Dr. Taz. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, I'm glad you're here. I probably need you. But beyond that, (laughs) hopefully everybody else out there is listening. You know, a lot of women today are juggling and they've got a lot on their plate. And even for me in my journey as a CEO, finding my voice and understanding what my leadership style is and navigating the emotional part of being a leader has been challenging. I'm not going to lie. So I'm thrilled to have you on here to help people like me and anybody out there listening today. What was the motivation for writing this book? Well, uh, my children. And in particular, I have uh, three children, 20, 18, and 14. My, uh, my middle is my, uh, my angel, my daughter. And then I've got boys as bookends. But my oldest oh, wow. son was, uh, was going to college about two and a half years ago. And I sat down to write him a letter, which was, you know, humbly speaking, sort of a guide to leading an extraordinary life. And I sent it around to a few friends and clients. And before I knew it, it was sort of had been read by a few thousand people. Wow. And I said, boy, there's something in this that's really resonating and may have the seeds of a book in it. So that was the inspiration. That was the inspiration. Yeah. In that book, what is what is your purpose? What are you trying to do there? Uh, are you trying to help people find their voice? What's kind of the goal? Yeah, it's a very much um, a stand that I'm taking that everybody has the potential to lead an extraordinary life and that what oftentimes gets in the way, and I know it did in my life, and I see it with many of my clients who are very accomplished, successful business leaders, uh, is that much of our behavior and therefore the results that we get in life is a function of a subconscious program that's really running us. And it's a program that I define as a set of safety-based rules, beliefs, and values that really drive how we behave and limit our effectiveness. And so I wanted to bring in a lot of science and ancient wisdom to bear on that question of like what separates people that are being driven or running on autopilot and getting pretty good results in life from those that are really creating the life they want to live and and achieving extraordinary results. And uh, I do a lot of that work in the business context, but I think it's applicable to everyone. And I wanted to sort of bring that forth and share it with as many people as I could. That's the real amazing book. book. That's something that, I've been very dialed into recently and understanding how my subconscious is working and the subconscious, as I understand, is set by age seven. So many of us are acting from the perspective of a seven-year-old or younger (laughs) throughout our lives, which is a little scary. But, (laughs) but, But maybe for everyone out there who's watching or listening today, tie in this conscious of your subconscious and how it's driving decision making and what do we do about it? Yeah. And by the way, there was a line in my book where I said, I, I woke up one day, a 40-year-old man, realizing he was being driven by a program written by a seven-year-old boy. So those are, that's the exact line in the book. Um, so the first thing uh, that I start with, and it's really the first chapter of the book, is about awareness. Um, and I, um, I 
introduced this distinction between program and code and indistinctions really is the access to awareness. And I think mm. just in the knowledge and the realiza realization of that, and it took me four decades to really realize that, um, that I was being run by something and that I had a choice. And I know you talk a lot about superpower. I oftentimes mm. say the human superpower is the ability to choose the meaning that we give to our circumstances. And when I realized that, like really realized it for the first time, became aware that I was the author of my life, or at least had the potential to be the author of my life, there was sort of this unlimited uh, opening for me. And so the, the starting point is awareness. And then what I assert in the book is there are essentially 10 lines of code um, that can be rewritten uh, and are essential to leading an extraordinary life. And I dedicate each chapter to each one of those uh, lines of code. So when you say lines of code, can you, I, you can't give us the whole book in 20 minutes, although I know all you cheaters out there want that version, but, <laughs> but, you know, can you give us maybe the top three lines of code that maybe we can start to work on, maybe we can start to understand as we're trying to yeah. shift our thinking? Yeah. L let me start with, um, this isn't until chapter seven, but I love this chapter. Uh, it's been a powerful realization for me and it's a chapter I title, I own my identity. And I think this will be re very relevant to your listeners. Um, what I say in the book, and I firmly believe through my experience in working with, uh, with lots of people, is we all have identities. Those identities are largely subconscious, and they're the aggregation of beliefs that I make up about myself, particularly in childhood, mm -hmm. that sort of scaffold and on top of each other become like hardened, that I don't even know they're there. Um, it's the math teacher who says you're not very good at math, right? You form an unconscious or subconscious yeah. belief that then you seek out data to confirm that belief. And before you know it, you have an identity of somebody who's not a math student. Guess what actions somebody who has an identity that I'm not a good math student takes? They're ones that are consistent with not being a good math student. Right. And um, I share my own experience. I said, look, I had this idea of writing a book and for Several years, I put it off, and it wasn't until I recognized that what was happening was I had this hidden identity of I'm not an author. And somebody with that identity is going to talk a lot about writing a book, but it's never going to write one. <laughs> so I powerfully reconstructed my identity. And the amazing thing about beliefs is they're all made up, so they can be reconstructed. And so I talk a lot about identity reconstruction, this, this ability to construct our identity and then believe it with absolute certainty, the actions you will take will be, will naturally flow out of that identity. And it's something I say, it's the first thing I say every morning, every time I get up in the morning, and I say it repeatedly throughout my day is my identity. And it's so consistent and so repetitive that I naturally act in the ways consistent with that identity. That's so powerful and so amazing. And I love what you just said about the human experience is the ability to make sense of your circumstances. You said it much better than that. How to say that again, because I want to make sure everybody caught yeah. that. Thank you. Uh, so the human superpower is the ability to choose the meaning we give to our circumstances. And life shows up as a series of opportunities to give meaning. You know, we show up to a circumstance and we can say, oh my God, this is the end of the world. Or I can say, what a glorious opportunity I get to learn and experience something and overcome hardship. Mm. That's a choice. Um, not, both are true right? Oftentimes. Right. And I often say, I don't really care about the truth. What I care about is what belief, what meaning really is going to serve you. And that's a fundamentally different question. And to know that you have a choice to, even in the most dire or challenging of circumstances, to give it positive, empowering meaning, 
versus disempowering meaning is a game changer. And so putting on my doctor hat for just a second, so for those that choose to take an experience that may not be ideal, but give it meaning, learn a lesson from it, are they less likely to suffer from mental health issues, anxiety, depression, you know, all these things that we're dealing with today in the exam room versus the ones that have a bleak outcome or choose, uh, choose something else? Yeah, that's a, what a great question. And this is probably the second uh, line of code and, and, and I'll answer your question. And the second line of code is I'm 100% responsible for my life. So we have a choice about the beliefs we have of our, about our circumstances. And one choice is uh, the victim mindset, which is there's very little I can do to affect my circumstances. Circumstances shape me, the world happens to me. Mm. The other choice is what I call a responsible mindset, which is there's always something I can do to affect any situation. I'm 100% responsible, I go so far as to say that. And there's, a, there's now 50 years of research around this psychological concept called locus of control. Those who have an internal locus of control, in other words, I shape my experience and my circumstances, have significantly better measures on a wide range of aspects of their lives, including health, uh, major health outcome differences, um, educational differences, financial differences, career differences, um, athletic differences. You'll see the best athletes in the world are ones that believe they can, they can win no matter what. And so the power of mindset, particularly around um, responsible versus victim, is a whole body of scientific research that supports better outcomes. A lot of them are health-related. Amazing stuff. And you mentioned, so responsibility is one line of code. Another line of code is to rewire your identity. How do you do that? How, what are some practical how-to tips of doing that? I've had to do that personally, and I'm not going to tell you my age, <laughs> but here I am finally getting it and finally resetting the, yeah. the code that I was maybe given and trying to reprogram it. How would you tell somebody out there to do that? Yeah. So, you know, awareness, number one, number two is an honest examination. And what I th really is important, I think, is for people to be careful about demonizing the current belief. Those beliefs that you have, while they may limit you, really served you in life. They probably protected you and made you feel loved and safe. And so there's an honoring of, of it. It's not a getting rid of the old, it's an expanding. And there's, a, there's some nuance in that that I think is important because once you start to suggest to people that they've got to get rid of something that they know, even subconsciously, has really served them, it's going to be really hard. So that's number one. The second thing is practice. And we now know, and I know you've had guests on your show talk about neuroplasticity, the fact yes. that the brain can rewire itself through repetitive practice. So this doesn't work. This isn't easy stuff unless you're committed to repetitive, intentional, in fact, daily practice. And so one of the things I often uh, encourage and invite people I work with, and certainly some practice of mine, is a daily practice. And I often say, forget about what you do. The very act of doing something daily without exception is an act of an extraordinary person. And I write and talk about this a lot, and I call it the 10 minute, you know, 10 minutes that can change your life. All you have to do is set your alarm 10 minutes earlier than you would otherwise mm -hmm. get up, and you've created 10 minutes in your life that you can dedicate to putting inside that 10 minute container a series of practices about your identity, about taking a responsible mindset, whatever it is that you really wanna work on and get really good at and master, you can do if you're committed to doing something for 10 minutes in your life. Yeah, I talk, I talk about this all the time. Like, 
it's a little bit of humor too. I, I've always been an early riser. And so 536 was my usual time. But after understanding the importance of the subconscious, the importance of neuroplasticity, what I grew up with, what I appreciate, because it got me to a point, but it's not going to serve me all the way down. Um, I reset that alarm to, to five. And then my husband got all excited that I was up at five in the morning. So he wanted to try it too. So I had to reset my alarm to 430 <laughs> so, <laughs> so that I had my 10 minutes to myself. But I will yeah. tell you for anyone who's interested in watching today that that 10 to 20 minutes that I get every morning where I don't look at email or my phone. I'm very yeah. much up here. I'm either reading something inspirational, like someone from someone like yourself, or I'm writing or I'm thinking, or I'm trying to consciously rewire my subconscious has already brought so many gifts into my life. So it sounds weird. It sounds hokey. It sounds, un, you know, intangible, but it's so powerful. What are like that 10 minutes? What would you tell somebody yeah. to do? I know what I do. Yeah. What would you tell yeah. anybody out there listening today? What would you tell them to do? So um, one thing I do, I'll share what I do. Um, and it can be really whatever's going to work for you. But uh, I have an identity statement. We just talked about the power of identity. And I say my identity statement in that 10 minutes. I also repeat it multiple times a day. Um, so that's one thing I do. Number two is um, I take my, the, the, what I start with, with is three things I'm really grateful for. I want to start my day and get into a certain state, emotional and physiological state. I mean, the first thing I do when I get up is literally be thankful that I'm alive and that I'm going to have an amazing day. Mm -hmm. It's the first sort of thought in my mind, and I've sort of you know, really had a discipline around that. But in that 10 minutes, I think of three things that I'm really grateful for. I, I also do a little loving-kindness meditation. I kind of you know, expand these like sort of concentric circles. I start mm -hmm. with me and my immediate family and my home, and I go out and family and friends and colleagues and ultimately to the entire universe. Yeah. Um, and I do, a, you know, I, I say, and I mention each per person, and you can do it thoughtfully and quickly. And, uh, and then I do um, uh, three things that I want to accomplish in the day. So I'm, I'm starting to really visualize what, what a really great day is going to look like. And there's, you know, there's always sort of, you can come up with three things or like, I really want that meeting to go well, or mm -hmm. I want to wake up and have a really great breakfast with my loved ones or whatever it is. And that's pretty much it. That's 10 minutes. Um, and uh, it's, it's a game changer. I love that. I mean, I think that's yeah. so powerful. And if you guys just set that alarm clock back 10 minutes, it can change your life. And it's that repetition, I think, that suddenly you feel differently. And some of even the negativity that I grew up with or I was fear-based, you know, like fear-based outcomes or we have to do this because this might happen, it's all gone. Yeah. It's all yeah. gone. I can't even yeah. re-access it to a certain extent because I've been doing yeah. this for so long now. So it's really incredible. All right, so you said three. You would give us three. What's one more line of code in the book that you would recommend? You talked about rewiring your identity, making an identity statement, understanding that you're responsible and accepting that responsibility for any outcome in your life. What's one more line of code that you've noticed for people that live that extraordinary life? Yeah, Boy, they're, 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 it's hard to choose, uh, but let me go to um, a pretty common phenomenon, which is that um, for most people, for myself, uh, for a long time in personal and professional life, the world showed up to me as a set of kind of either or choices. Um, you can look, take parenting as an example, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you've got one parent who thinks, let's, let's give the child freedom, right? And be pretty permissive, right? Because they're only going to learn by making mistakes and you've got another other parent that's insistent on setting boundaries and having some level of control and setting standards, right? 
And oftentimes, parents or individuals, right, there are parts of you that think both, you get totally conflicted, um, believing that that's a, that's a mutual, mutually exclusive set of choices. I either have to be permissive or controlling. And what I offer in the book is the work of Barry Johnson, who did some pioneering work around what's called polarity thinking, mm -hmm. which is most of the dilemmas in life, in business, in parenting, in relationships, are actually not problems to be solved that require either or thinking. They're natural, healthy tensions that um, require both and thinking, that, mm -hmm. that give you the opportunity to integrate. What would it be like if you were parenting with somebody where you were able to integrate the wisdom of both of those poles, right? The wisdom of being permissive and giving your child enough space to learn his or her lesson and the wisdom of setting boundaries and, and uh, holding your children to high standards. And what if you could get the benefit of both without the downsides of over-focusing on either? And if you start, you get that distinction, you start to look at everything you're facing in life, more often than not, you're like, oh my gosh, this is, I had been thinking I had to choose one versus the other. I can see the, the wisdom of integrating the two. And so people that lead an extraordinary life are ones that are capable of noticing the inherent polarity. This is the yin and yang of ancient wisdom. Uh, it's in us. You know, try choosing between exhaling and inhaling, and you'll notice that life in of itself is a paradox and needs to be integrated. And that's a very, very powerful line of code and a distinction that, that I, I spend some time with. So with all the great CEOs and leaders that you've been with over the years, you know, I know a lot of it is their mental training, the resilience, you know, the vision, the identity. You know, what, what are one or two traits that you say that really led them to have an extraordinary life? It's very easy for people to say it was luck or fortune mm. or circumstance or in right place, right time. What do you really think is happening with these people? Uh, Self-mastery. And in, in, in many respects, uh, and some get lucky, right? Some get lucky right. and circumstances are favorable. And so to draw the line too quickly between success and, and leader sometimes can lead you astray. But mm. on average, the leaders that I've seen to be most successful over time in a sustainable way are ones that take on leadership like they would any other important endeavor. You know, like an elite athlete takes on her sport, um, so should a CEO or business leader or leader of family or leader of anything take on leadership as an, 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 a craft or practice that needs to be mastered, and it begins with self. Mm. Right? If I can't master myself, if I don't have control over my own mind and body, how can I expect to influence and lead others and ask them to do the very things that I'm not doing? So great leaders are ones that know that the first place to look is inside. You look at the great leaders throughout history. You know, Gandhi is an incredible example of that principle, right? He led an entire nation through his own example, nothing more. And um, we would learn a lot to heed the wisdom of leaders like that in the modern world. And too few leaders really go inward first. It's, we're, we're all, I think, too quick to externalize and blame and complain and look outward versus owning the responsibility we have. Inward. Is there yeah. a leadership check that you would advise budding leaders to do? Or, in, you know, I feel that call for leadership myself. And I'm like hungry, seeking resources and even signing up for like the summer, I'll go away for six weeks to a, like a leadership program of sorts. But mm. what, what is a leadership check when many of us as business leaders or CEOs, you know, we want 
this, this, and this. Our team is working for it. It may or may not be happening. What's a leadership check, you know, of sorts that we could probably put on ourselves? Like, hey, don't react that way. Mm. Or this is something you could do instead. Or this is something you could say instead. What would you tell somebody like me? Uh, Blame and judgment. It's the Mm. cue that you're operating from a disempowering victim mindset. As soon as you begin to blame and judge, it's my cue. Uh, And certainly it's the cue that I invite my clients to notice that I'm, I'm outside of myself. It's like wow. my team can't do fill in the blank. And how many times a day do we go through that? And what I notice in that instant when I catch myself is, okay, there may be some truth to that, but what have I not owned? And let me go to that first. It doesn't mean I can't go back and hold others accountable, right. Right? but it does mean, okay, my team is not being innovative. Well, where am I not being innovative? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's two or three areas that I haven't done. Let me let me go focus on that because I'm going to become a better leader. And through that example, I now have the kind of credibility and role modeling that I can go to my team and say, look, we need to be more innovative. And they, they're hearing that from a person that embodies innovation. Same right. thing with parenting. I, I say in my book, I can't expect my children to be kind, to eat well, um, and to be honest, if I'm unkind, you know, have a poor diet and lying to them, right? right. So... As soon as I blame my children, which you just go to, right? I've got to go inward and say, what am I not doing? You know, that could, I could have a more authentic, loving relationship with my daughter before I ask her to be anything that I'm not being. Yeah, I think that's so profound. And that's a lesson that I've seen, you know, at every level in my company as well and amongst other great leaders. I'm never afraid of sweeping the floor, of being the last person out the door, you know, being the first person in the morning. I And I can never expect that of somebody else if I can't do that myself. And I yeah. think that's some, one lesson from my childhood that my mom, I know, firmly instilled. She's like, if you're going to work with people, you need to be with the people. You can't put yourself up here and be able to talk down to them. And I think that has served me well over the years. And that blame yeah. and judgment is so hard, right? It's so easy to say, ah, you, yeah. why did you do this? You know, but that's a great, that's a great tool too. I love that. I want to ask one more question and then we'll yeah. let you go. But determining your calling and what you were meant to do. How do you do that? Wow, that is a big question. That's, That's why one I little question. It. I saved it for the last chapter, <laughs> yes. and here we are at the end of our, uh, our talk. Um, paradoxically, because uh, I get a lot of advice, like how do I determine my calling, you know, particularly from young people? I said the harder you, the harder you strive to figure out what your calling is, the, har- the harder it is to be, be able to detect it. Uh, a lot of it requires patience and noticing and letting it unfold when it needs to unfold. It wasn't really until I was age 40 that I really truly discovered my calling. Mm. For my daughter, she discovered it when she was 12 and 13. She's now in college studying musical theater, wants to go to Broadway. That's been her essence thing. and her thing from you know, as early as we can remember. You know, in, some case, in some ways, she was very fortunate. Maybe not, right? But it will happen if you're attuned to it. And so what I really advise is like, first of all, the distinction that there is something in all the traditions, right? Like uh, the Indians called it Dharma, right? The Japanese call it Ikigai. The Greek had a word for it, Entelechy. Mm -hmm. All of the ancient traditions have a word for this, like what is the fundamental essence of who you are, your calling, the blueprint of your soul. And so one is to just know that, have some faith that that exists, but not to be so attached to figuring it out but to listen for it and watch for it and be attuned to it and where it's showing up 
without any like strong attachment, like I got to figure it out. As soon as you're there, forget it. And when it's unfold, it's going to unfold. And the job of the parent I've, I've discovered is to notice it in your child. Mm. And for me, it was just such a beautiful gift that I received to know about this distinction. So when I saw it in my daughter in particular, I was able to just like cultivate it and um, give her the gift of my undivided attention and support. And that I think is such an important role for a parent to play. Oh, amazing words. Oh, the book is Master Your Code, The Art, Wisdom, and Science of Leading an Extraordinary Life. I want this book, by the way. <laughs> Darren, if anyone out there watching or listening today wants to get a hold of you or stay connected to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, well, let me start with the book. It's available on Amazon. Uh, I also have an audio book, uh, which I narrate if you like my voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have a, an author website, uh, Darren J. Gold, D-A-R-R-E-N-J-G-O-L-D.com. And then my, my firm, the Trium Group, T-R-I-U-M-G-R-O-U-P.com, both great resources. Wonderful resources. Well, thank you for taking the time out today to join me on this episode of Superwoman Wellness, where, as I promise, I'm trying to make you all super-powered, human-powered, as Darren says, so you can really live your best life. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. And remember that we're now on Spotify as well. I'll see you guys next time.